August 17th, 2020. Hottest day of my life. No, it's not, but it is blazing out here. Uh, GB, back with the Sports Counterpoints podcast. Got my family on the lines. Brian and Jason, what up? What's hey. up? Right. It's definitely hot. Man, California is like on fires in the dangerous and tragedious, uh, tragedy or tragic type way, but also just like straight heat, thunderstorms, in, and then summertime, like it's the south. It's crazy. I'm I'm literally sweating right now. So there, that's just what it is. Any background noise you hear is our fans, the ceiling kind and the church kind. It's hot. <laughs> so yeah, man, welcome right. back. Uh, Sports counterpoints. Let's get to it. I'm watching NBA basketball right now. This is great playoff basketball all day. We'll talk about the playoffs. Talk about a couple teams who were right on the on the bubble, right? But didn't get in even uh, despite some some bomb play at the end of the season. Uh, we'll talk about any coaching or other miscellaneous type items, if you will, about the NBA and a little bit about college football and see what what they're doing with a lot of the major conferences. So as far as this NBA, it's been great. Um, playoff basketball all day long. All the games I've seen have been pretty good. I didn't watch the Toronto game, so yeah, we'll talk about those. But let's let's get your guys' thoughts on those teams that didn't make it. Uh, your your Phoenixes, your Memphises. I can't think of sure, anyone I, else who's like. I'm right strong with Phoenix. Yeah, because uh, this is gonna be quick. Uh, for them to go undefeated and not make it, uh, they shouldn't have been invited. Yeah, uh, I think something should have been mathematically calculated to where you know if you go undefeated, you can still kind of. You know, not lose this, uh, you know, not make the playoffs. They probably should have scheduled maybe a couple of games against the teams that were probably in the seventh, eighth, or, or like at least a game. They were in the seventh, eighth, or ninth slot, so they have a chance to sort of move up. Um, Phoenix, I just think, I don't think they're the best team in the bubble. I just think they played harder than everybody and gave a damn more than other teams did because most, let's be that. honest, most of the teams that were there were only going to make the playoffs. One team that was pretty much just cruising. You know, is the Lakers, you know, they played hard against the Clippers the first game and they tried to beat Denver and all the other games. They pretty much just, you know, just mailed it in. Um, so Phoenix, try, I don't you know, I don't I don't expect Phoenix to make the playoffs next year in the NBA. If the West, you know, the players in the West pretty much stay put. Uh, but they had a good run there, you know, get a little story. But, you know, as old saying said is, you know, they're still, you know, two, three years away. But uh, I don't think they sh- they should have been uh, in- invited, um, even though they played you know pretty well. And uh, I think it also helps them that the- for young teams there isn't any travel, so you know the home cr- there's no road crowd and there's yeah. no travel involved. So being that you're pretty much going to the same gym every day and don't have to worry about you know fans or road trips or whatever for it, I think that helps a young team uh, like Phoenix. Uh, B, what you think? Well, I disagree that they shouldn't have been invited. I mean, look, Phoenix Suns played outstanding basketball. Again, like you said, uh, they were out playing teams from the very beginning. It showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit. You know, teams like the Sacramento Kings shouldn't have been invited. Teams like New Orleans shouldn't have been invited. Uh, we were further down. The Phoenix Suns actually got screwed by the Lakers because um, a lot of the Lakers games, because they weren't playing with any type of enthusiasm and, you know, lost most of their games, uh, other teams did the same. That made it difficult because the Portland Trailblazers were also playing really well. Dallas was playing all pretty well. Uh, Memphis was playing, you know, well enough. And you know, it would have been ideal for us Laker fans if Phoenix and Memphis were the play-in game. But you know, Portland's probably playing some of the best basketball 
in the bubble. So I, I don't think they, they shouldn't have been invited. I thought it actually made for a really, really outstanding storyline going down the end of it. You had four teams that were within uh, a game of each other going into the last two games, right? Because you also had San Antonio Spurs, who were also um, not eliminated from, from contention uh, until they lost, I believe, to the, the Grizzlies. So you had San Antonio Spurs, you had the Grizzlies, you had Phoenix, you had Portland, all within one game. I think that's the storyline right there. I mean, if you're the if you're the NBA, you're trying to make that happen again, not not less. Um, and uh, I agree with you though about Phoenix's prospects next year. I think the problem they have is is not that they're not super talented and, and don't work hard and and all that. It's just that the West is so ridiculously stacked. I mean, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Houston uh, Rockets, uh, the Utah Jazz, and Dallas Mavericks are not going to get anything but better. Oklahoma City Thunder, no one thought or, uh, was going was to be this good. Um, and I don't know what they're going to be next year when they probably trade uh, Chris Paul again. So I didn't include them. That leaves like one spot, right? And so you have the Portland Trailblazers who uh, are playing pretty good basketball and have uh, Dane Lillard and McCollum and, and Anthony who are all really, uh, you know, playing really well. Um, and then you have, you know, the Grizzlies, the Suns, and the Spurs who are always going to be. Spurs be always going to be a contention, but the, the Suns and Grizzlies that are young have young talent, playing really well, and then you have people who think that the Pelicans are are you know have the, the talent to get to that level. Um, I don't see that happen next year. So I think you know it's sad what happened to the Phoenix Suns. You know it, it, it's 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 rough when you you play as good as you possibly can, go undefeated, and still can't make it. But they didn't make it by I think you know by point you know, by point zero something uh, on the win scale. And, uh, you know, they did what they could do. It didn't work out. But I think I love the format. Uh, I, you know, I think that the way that it worked out worked out really well, all things considered. Um, yeah, it kind, of screwed the, it kind of screwed Memphis, though, because wasn't Memphis the HC before this yeah. whole thing started? Yeah, so it kind of screwed yeah. them. Like, yeah, oh, but, wow. you know, they weren't, they weren't playing well enough. You know, had they not done the yeah. bubble and the eight-game thing, it's clear that they would have lost that lead over the end of the season if they had played the rest of the season out, right? So, you know, Memphis didn't get screwed more so than they screwed themselves. They just, they just, they're not, they're not consistent. They have a lot of talent, but they're not consistent. And, and when you have a team, I mean, you were just talking to this though. The difference between the Portland Trailblazers and Memphis is they both have lots of talent, right? But, Portland Trailblazers have veterans who have been there and done that, yep. and that's what mattered when it came down to stretch. That was the that was a difference maker, right? Like yep. Anthony didn't make a damn shot the entire second half until he hit the you know the go ahead shot that basically was the dagger for Portland in the game against Memphis in that plan. He was not, it, it, but that's what what veterans can do. It doesn't matter what happened for the, rest of the first forty you know six minutes. There's still going to be. Um, you know, championship quality, and, and they're going to keep chucking it. They're going to, you know, treat each each shot as if it's automatically going to go in. And um, Memphis, on the other hand, can't do that. John Moran, down the stretch of that game, kept on turning it over. He had three turnovers that I am convinced were, were a more impactful um, play or plays than Anthony making the three-pointer, right? Those three turnovers, all of them led to points. I think two of them led to and ones, and uh, that's you know that's the kind of stuff that you just can't do. Grant's going to get a lot better, right? He's a rookie, uh, but 
you know, that's the difference between Memphis and Portland and why Memphis was probably not going to be able to keep that A seed, whether they played the whole season, eight games, or a playing game. It's dope seeing it might uh, Yeah, seeing both, uh, both your opinions on that one's funny because I'm like, Coop, when he said it, like, they shouldn't have been invited, I was like, yeah, because if you can play eight games, win them all, and can't get in, and dang, what you, was you there for? And then you, you said your point B, and I was like, yeah, I guess so, because they also made the whole, like, they made the tournament more exciting because they were there. And yeah, then, uh, and, and they end up being like Kenny Sorry, Glenn. Usually you don't get screwed by the Lakers and, and, and some of these other teams just stinking it up, right? Like, I mean, you know, they could beat one of those teams. They could not. But now, 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 Brian, I know before, I'm interested to know, to know this. Before the season started, I know you had the New Orleans Hornets or Pelicans, whoever they are, uh, <laughs> in the playoffs. I think it's an eighth seed. And so now they're not in. And I'm thoroughly convinced now the bubble was created to try to get the New Orleans in. I have my reason. I agree I'm not going to yeah. get into it. But and they, and they did pretty much disappoint it. So I want to your thoughts on the, uh, the New Orleans team because I can't figure out that the Hornets or the Pelicans. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I agree with you that the one of the main reasons, I think there were others, was to try and showcase young talent and try and get a young talent team into the playoffs, preferably the Pelicans. I don't think that the league would have been sad if the Suns were the one that got in there because they wanted to see old guard, new guard in the first round with the Lakers. I, I absolutely think that that the, the, the bubble was in large part created to have a Zion, LeBron, AD first round of the playoffs, you know, ball in uh, – and Ingram coming back and uh, coming back to LA to play in the, in, in the playoffs. Um, and, and they did what they could, man. And it didn't work out mainly because the you know, Zion came in looking more beach ball than anything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you can't have said he went Kendrick from elephant Perkins. To elephant? Yeah. Kendrick <laughs> Perkins basically said, <laughs> said, uh, said he needs to lose 30 to 40 pounds, 30 to 40 pounds, man. I need to lose 30 to 40 pounds. <laughs> I didn't get on any basketball courts anyway. Kendrick Perkins probably <laughs> got 30 or 40 um, Yeah, so I think you and I are on the same page. I did think that, you know, if Zion would have came back, and, and they were playing, you know, great basketball at the end of that bubble. But because they are young, um, you know, there's one of two ways to go. You can come out like the Phoenix Suns did, hung, hungry and motivated, or you can come out like the, 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 uh, the, the Pelicans did, Fat, overweight, and uninterested. Because, and it's not all Zion's fault. Zion looked awful, but uh, so did Lonzo Ball. I mean, Lonzo Ball—he oh, was terrible. Like, Zion was efficient. Yeah, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball yeah, looked like he didn't have, he had no interest. Ingram played pretty well, but like Ball, he was running around aimlessly. I, I, you know, it was just he like, what was this? Shoot, about? it's a problem. He's a guard <laughs> yeah. who can't shoot. I mean, he's not Ben Simmons, so that's the only guard I'm taking that can't shoot is him. But did yeah. Okay, so, but the coach, the GM came out today and said that it's a great job because they fired, you know, the Mike D'Antoni disciple, uh, the Alan, Alvin Gentry, Gentry, and he said it's a great job. I have my thoughts. I'm gonna go after you. Do you think the Pelicans is a great job? <laughs> no, I think it's a, I think it's a head coaching burial ground, right? Because the expectations are through the roof. You don't know if Ingram's yeah, gonna true. be there or not. You don't you know you don't know whether Ball is gonna is gonna stick around either. But more importantly, do you want him? Um, and then you Y'all have Zion, harsh, who all he can do. If you see these guys who come in, all they end up doing is torching coaches because the expectations for their skill set is so high that 
no matter what, they're expecting the coach to be able to come in and they're like, oh, well, you've already got greatness in Zion. Zion's not great yet. Zion's an athlete. Zion's a, a young player. Greatness is established, and he's not that. And so I think whoever comes in there needs to go in there understanding you're going to get a five-year deal, but you only really got three. Uh, <laughs> and if, if you're not you know, a, a playoff team in the ridiculously stacked West, not only now, but for five years, right, where it can be very, very difficult to make, to make, uh, make it into the playoffs, even if you're playing well, again, ask the Phoenix Suns, um, so no, I, I think that might be the worst opportunity that's open right now for a, a, a head coach going in. And I think that's probably why they end up with, uh, someone like a Tyron Lue and Chauncey Billups who are trying to make their, their name and aren't going to get, yeah. um, a really good opportunity, right? They're not going to get, you know, Oklahoma's and Utah's and Dallas's. They're not going to get those. They're going to have to try and do things with, you know, the Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans, you know, one of those types of teams um, or, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, the, the New York uh, Knicks, right? They're not going to get good opportunities. See, this is why I like doing these podcasts. Cause I don't know what you or Glenn are going to say on certain <laughs> topics. I can't believe that we agree on this. I think it's a bad job. Uh, the, the expectations, like you said, are too high. And the personnel, in my opinion, is overrated. You just look down the roster. This is a C and D roster team. And plus you have Zion who has weight and health issues. Lonzo, I just mentioned, he can't shoot. Ingram has a problem, and he thinks he's a one. That's his problem. He's really a three or a four. And if you're relying on Ingram to be a one, he could be a decent three or four. But if you're relying on him to be a one and help your team, you know, win games by averaging 25 a game or so and carrying the team every night, he's not that kind of player. Um, Drew Holiday, I didn't know he was in the league 11 years. So he's kind of getting sneaky old, getting up there. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, the Zion thing is mostly to be, I like Zion. I think I like Zion. But I want to see him play more, but it seems like he's mostly a hype right now. And then you're going to have to figure out, you know, you have, you have a bunch of young guys on the team that really haven't won anything. So you're going to have to figure out how you're going to construct this team because you can't keep it the way it is right now and expect to compete. So I don't, I, and plus it's not a free agent destination. And like you said, yeah. they're in the West. So I don't know how much they can improve in the position that they're in right now, huh, based not. on the position they're in right now. So, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's not a good job. It's just too many expectations, and you're, you're not really going to have a lot to work with. It's, that's the I, worst way to enter a job. Yeah, I can't honestly think about one that would be worse. I, and and that's, I, you know, that's saying a whole lot, right? Like, the Knicks job, I think, is awful. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's better – than the Pelicans because it's in the East. It's, you know, the East is always weaker, at least right now, inconsistently for the last decade or so, is weaker than the West. Um, and so there's always an opportunity. You know, all you have to do to get into the playoffs in the East is beat out the Orlando Magic. You know, they were 33 and 40. They didn't even have a winning record. Yeah. You know, neither did the Brooklyn Nets, right? So you have two teams without winning records. Meanwhile, in the West, you got teams that went down the stretch undefeated um, and, and couldn't make the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Granted, they also didn't have winning records in the overall record of the season, but played really out, outstanding basketball in, um, in the, the bubble. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, you know the Brooklyn Nets, like, I don't know that I'm uh, on board with them being a championship team next year, but you know they're going to be a hell of a lot better than 
35 and 37. Yeah. Uh, and you know the Charlotte Hornets aren't going to do anything. You know the Washington Wizards aren't going to do anything. You know the Bulls really don't have anything going for them. So why not, you know, a team like the Knicks who have, uh, you know, I would I would take that opportunity if, if I were a young head coach looking for a first or second job like a Ty Lue or Chauncey Phillips um, over a job where you're, you're walking in with, with just way, way, way too far back. That, uh, I, uh, Colin, I'm calling my shot right now, GB, before you go. I, I uh, just... if, the, if the Lakers don't win and Kuzma does not play well or is consistent in the playoffs, I got Bradley Beal coming to the Lakers next year. Oh, a lot of people have a lot of people are talking about that I'm one. And, and, That's and uh, if 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 Kuzma, uh, if they can figure out a way to make That's that tough. trade, uh, with Kuzma as the centerpiece, I mean, they don't have any more draft picks to trade, they got you get you're gonna have to go to like 2030. To get the draft picks if they can throw out the trade. You're I not allowed to pay first round draft picks in the back draft picks in consecutive years. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh it'd be like twenty thirty <laughs> before that happens. Bradley Beal though. Yikes, that's almost that's tough because I want to see us win, yeah. but that's a nice consolation prize. Um, I like uh I, I like that calling the shot. Like, you know, the other one that's gonna become loud over the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if you saw the articles today, but there were a lot of articles talking about how uh, Giannis is pissed at his team and their effort. Um, and, uh, and you know, obviously you're going to start seeing if they, if they flame out early or don't make the finals, uh, a bunch of stories about Giannis going West. I don't know wow. if it's the Lakers or um, they just wow. talk about him going to the Warriors. Um, but you can, you can see it possibly happen. And the whole reason that the Lakers have uh, Austin DeCoupe on their team, <laughs> yes, the whole reason <laughs> – it's so that they're not so that they can basically legally uh, start keep talking to Giannis about the possibility. Right. Yep. It's like legal care. <laughs> hey man, this guy's oh, just wow. talking to his brother. You can't say no to that. Yeah. Like right. literally the only reason that, like, he's talented, by the way, uh, I've been watching the game. He does have wow. talent. Um, but the, the reason he is on the Lakers right now right. is to make sure that they can legally tamper. Yep. I, I yeah I have I have if, if Milwaukee can't make the finals with LeBron out the East with Kawhi gone, uh, I, I think he's gone. I don't see how you stay in Milwaukee and you you can't run through the East the way it is right now. I I just don't. The East yeah. is just not good, and you know they should be able to just fly through the East. Chris so Middleton's I, talented, but he's not the guy that you no, want. Yeah, he you want to go to battle big with. games. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, I'm with you. You said Drew Holiday was sneaky old, and I resent that because I think that describes me. But also, <laughs> I'm telling y'all now, Brian, don't let me forget that because that's going to be the name of my fantasy team in your league. I think it fits. What's that? Sneaky old. Sneaky old. Okay. With the, <laughs> with the the guys that are in there, shout out to the to the league. If you don't know, then it don't make sense to you. But either way, definitely that's my team name. So yeah, all right. Are you guys? Um, what about today's games? Uh, so I watched all of them. Um, and the first game was awesome, right? Uh, it was that was a lot of fun to watch. A game going to overtime, uh, start the playoffs right. Uh, you know, Denver, Utah. I, 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 I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a little bit away about what I'm picking, but Denver's just a more talented team than Utah. That's in a better place, um, and so it wasn't a surprise to me that Indy and Denver won. Uh, the Toronto game was just a – I mean, they just blew the doors off of Brooklyn. Uh, I do think that they're probably the best team in the East right now. Uh, and, the, you know, the Boston-Philly game, you know, they're going to bludgeon around and, and, and 
play a basketball game, but it's not wasn't very interesting. Uh, the Clippers Dallas game was was great, but when they lost Porzingis to that fight um, or shove or whatever, um, you know, you knew that that Dallas wasn't going to be able to do what it needed to do down the stretch, and they still only lost by four. I don't know what you thought about uh, those four games earlier. If it gives up a little bit too much about your pick. What'd you think? So. Um, I didn't watch any. I kept up with all of the games oh, wow. on my phone. I'm not watching any games until tomorrow because, of course, you know, the Lakers play tomorrow. But um, I know we had texted a little bit about the Utah-Denver game. I didn't see anything, and I thought Utah was probably going to pull it off because I figured with a team that's short, Denver's definitely the favorite in this series. And if a team is shorthanded as the Utah, you kind of want to steal game one, and they didn't do it. So I think pretty much this game is pretty much the death sentence for Utah. Uh, Brooklyn, I don't expect much. They just don't play any defense. You know, they, you know, it's they're in the East, which is the only reason why they're in the playoffs. And they, they look like they seem like they play hard because I've, you know, watched them a few times during the bubble. But I just think Toronto's just a better team. They have better, you know, better in players, and they're just you know better coach. So today's result did not surprise me. Uh, Philly just doesn't have you know Simmons and uh, and Embiid, so they pretty much have no shot against Boston. And they had a beat. Oh, and B played. Yeah, he yeah. Did. Oh, he did. Okay, I didn't see the box score. Okay, I, I thought he was out, but I don't. I still don't think he's enough to uh, to beat Boston. And then uh, for the Clippers in Dallas, um, I expect this to be a, a five game series. I just think the Clippers are just a lot better than Dallas. Dallas is another one of those teams. They, they don't play any defense, but uh, Luka Doncic did have I think forty forty two points today, which is kind of rare because he usually doesn't play that well statistically against the Clippers. But being that he played that well and they still lost by eight, I mean, I really don't expect much from Dallas. They might get a game in there, but I expect that series to be over uh, in, in five. Is everything sevens? Yeah. Seven-game series, I mean, mm-hmm. for anyone who didn't know, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yes, yep. all seven. Okay, yep. for sure. And I, you know, going back to what you are saying about uh, Luca, I mean, a lot of that was just, like I said, they when you lose, when you lose Porzingis, right, when you lose that M early to the technicals and, and, and getting kicked out, um, I do think that that was kind of the difference because the way the offense needed to flow changed. And they went from shooting 50, what is it, 57% in the first half um, to I think in the 30s in the second. You know, the offense just changes when you lose one of the one of the players that the offense is built around. So, you know, I, 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 I think the results were always going to be the Clippers, but I, I wouldn't say that this game is, is a death sentence for them just because, you know, hopefully they'll be back and smarter in the next game and don't lose their second-best player with uh, a quarter and a half to go. Yeah, that's tough. There was a uh, – was there – no, the Utah game, Donovan Mitchell had 57, um, which is crazy, too. I was watching that game. It was a good game all the way to the end. Um, and then we got Portland tomorrow, right? Yep. That's foolish. Yep. That's Did terrible. Brian, did you make your predictions? For no. these, for these no. four games today? No, for, we for, can't. For the now. series? Yeah, we can't. For the now. series, I'll, I'll be glad to do that now if that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, it must, yeah, you cool with that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. So I have uh, I have Denver in, uh, I was going to say six, but I'm going to go five. Uh, I have Toronto in four. Uh, I have Boston in, in six. And I have the Clippers in five. Okay. I have uh, Denver in five. I got Toronto in four. I think Brooklyn's going to mail it in after they lose game two. I just think it's going to be over for them. Um, A Boston series, I have that going five uh, as well. 
And Clippers, I got that in five. Okay. I think we agreed on everything except for I gave uh, the Boston Philly series one more game only because they're pretty even. Um, Evenly not great. (laughs) You know, know, and Bede had a great game today, right? Um, And and, and that wasn't enough. You know, when you you go in there to a game and, and drop 26 and 16, um, you want to you want to think that you'd be a little bit closer, um, but the reality of it is, is it, it is you know without Simmons and the way the team is playing, it, it, it's just not that that exciting. And then Boston is completely driven by Jason Tatum. You wouldn't be surprised to hear that Gordon Hayward is now hurt. Uh, Kimber Walker was was his usual self in that he played well and played you know very good solid basketball, but when you only have five assists as a point guard. Um, with, with someone dropping 32 and 13 on your team, um, you know they're just they're not good enough. So Boston's going to win this. They got a, they got more talent than the Sixers uh, and more more chemistry than the Sixers. But uh, you know that's that's the only one I and that and that set of games that I could see going beyond five just because they're pretty close. Mm, okay, what about the uh, the other series though? Like what about like the series associated with tomorrow? Who else plays besides the Lakers? So, well, here you want to go first? Yeah, first game we got Orlando Milwaukee. I expect Milwaukee to put a whole lot invested in this game because they haven't really played well in the bubble. So, I think they need to come out and make a statement, not for the league or for other teams, but for themselves to sort of get get everything back on the right track the way they were playing the regular season. So, the point spread right now is Milwaukee minus twelve. I expect them to win by at least twenty and for and to sweep this series. I think this. Uh, you know, for any other good team, I did, you know, I don't think they would they would take it seriously, but they wouldn't put a lot into it. I think Milwaukee's going to put a lot into it just for themselves. So I think they're going to sweep Orlando. Uh, for and then I, actually, you know what, B, you go before I go to the next uh, next series. Okay, so I got Milwaukee in in four here. I just think Orlando sucks. Um, <laughs> and you know, when no you're losing you players, uh, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this or not, but like Mo Bamba is the first player professional athlete to have his career in doubt as a result of having an early coronavirus he had to leave the team and the bubble he's not you know he's not a, the star of the team um but he's he had to leave the, the team and the bubble and in this season uh as a result of having to have deeper tests because he wasn't able to perform uh and breathe and he had you know issues with uh, i think it's an heart rate uh and and wow. lung capacity throughout the entire time he was in the bubble why is that a story um, and uh well, I know and why, so but... you know I think I just don't think Orlando has enough to stand up to a team like Milwaukee. Uh, I agree with you that Milwaukee is going to be wanting to make uh, a point. I think more to that point is that they're going to want to dispatch Orlando early so that they can have a nice break and get uh, get together uh, chemistry wise before they play another team. Go ahead, Glenn. Uh, I was just going to say, why is that not a bigger story? Like the Mo Bamba thing, I really didn't even hear. Because it's Mo Bamba. I mean, you know, like it's, right. Like the people, the people who are looking, who would you would think to look at? They're people like me, right? Like I'm studying and, and watching all the stuff that's going on with coronavirus. And so when I saw that, I'm like, holy shit! This and I told you, I think I said to you, this is going to be the biggest non-story, the biggest story that yeah. no one's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it it was it showed exposure. Um, you know, I, I I hope that when he gets his deep test and they say, um, you know, they say that you can take four to six months before uh, you, you get rid of all the impacts. I hope that that's the case for him because I'd hate to think that a young man lost his career um, over a coronavirus. And it, 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 the league wow. is just so thankful that he didn't get sick 
as a result of anything having to do, right? If this were Donovan Mitchell or um, O'Gorbert, uh, who you know got sick while in the facilities with each other, as opposed to Obama, who got sick, you know, being in Florida, um, then this story would probably have been massive, right? If if one of those types of players, if one of, that got sick in the league, would gone, would gone out, it, you know, he's just not a big enough name to, to command the attention that the story deserves because it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It sounds like I mean, this whole thing, the whole reason there is a bubble is this virus, right? Um, and he actually has it, and I haven't heard like any stories from him or comments or nothing. That's interesting. It seems yeah, well, he had it. He doesn't have it now. He had it at the very beginning of the thing, and he had gotten better. And he's but got... you just you know, as they he wasn't able to perform. He's he's unable to That's be huge. the athlete that he's he's paid to be because of the after effects and long term effects of the virus. He's very young, also. So that's like Mo Bamba's really young. He hasn't been in the league but a few years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he might be twenty one, maybe. That's crazy. Scary. Wow. Okay. Um what do you guys you guys got predictions for what about the next series? Yeah, what you feel about Indiana and Miami? How you feel about that one? Um uh, So, you know, I don't have super strong feelings about Indiana yeah, and yeah, Miami. Uh, uh I'm gonna take Indiana. I, I really? think they just got you know, you've got T.J. Warren, who's super hot. Um, they got the seating. It will not surprise me one bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Pacers in six. Um, but it will not surprise me one bit if it's uh, Miami in six over uh, with Butler. I was gonna say, yeah, can. don't they got Jimmy buckets? And what's his name? Bam Abagayo, and I think my, do they still got Dragic yeah, too? And, yeah, they got Goran Dragic. Yeah, um, I'm looking, actually looking you know, forward to watching them. They've got the, the Heat have have players, right? And yeah, um, you know Tyler Hero, obviously another Hero. Um, strong player. They got Andre Ugadala. They're the ones who won that one. Um, you know they they've got players, um, and then you have a shooting star right in uh, uh, Indiana, and I, there's just something about when you watch them play. Um, every play they play as if it is the biggest deal, um, you know. And they're forty-five and twenty-eight. They're like, this was not a bad team, uh, and, and you know. And um, I just, I just for whatever reason, I really think that they can, they can do stuff uh, now that they have T.J. Warren uh, and they have you know some other good players on that team who are going to be there and going to play. That'll be. This will be my first time watching. Yeah, I, Victor Holodipo uh, is uh, obviously a superstar. I'm uh, I'm going to take the Heat. Um, I was skeptical of the Jimmy Butler acquisition by the Miami Heat, but it looks like it's worked out, and it seemed like he made the right decision by leaving uh, the 76ers or wanting to leave the 76ers and actually wanting to leave the Timberwolves as well. Um, you know, he seems like I guess one of those guys that's you know doesn't really put up with uh, kids who want to like young players who want to pretty much play a lot and not really, you know, work on their craft or be about basketball. And it seems like that's the mentality of the Miami Heat. Not saying they're going to win the championship, but I'm going to take them uh, in six games. I just think this is what uh, Jimmy Butler came to Miami for. And I think uh, he's going to, you know, pretty much uh, carry this team by being the leading scorer in this series and uh, carrying them in six games against the Pacers. Now the Pacers are going to be a tough out and uh, they do have players over there. 
but I just think the veteran they have more veterans with Drogic and and and, uh, and Butler, and I think one more guy I'm missing on the Miami Heat that I think is going to carry that team uh, through to the next Tyler Hero. Tally, Tally, yeah, so it's another guy. I don't. I forget. Is Udonis Haslam still there? Who? Udonis Haslam is he still there? Um, I think he retired he, ten years yeah. ago. <laughs> nah, hey, bro, Udonis is recently, sneaky, bro. Yeah. He'll, he'll yeah, turn around, he'll be on a roster, bro. That's that's that dude. Yeah. But all right, word. Okay, Miami. You you guys split on that one. <clears throat> Who's the the other one? Before there's one more. The next one us, right? is the series I'm most interested in because uh, Russell Westbrook left and the team got better. Oh Russell yeah, Russell Westbrook Houston. went to a team. The team got worse. So it's Oklahoma City and Houston. <laughs> Oh, so true. are you so okay wow. now call your shot because i know you I, you know you you just said what you said are you right. going to pick against houston hell no i'm taking james harden <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking james harden to pull this through um i if oklahoma city won this series i would definitely be surprised uh it would be it would need to be some luck and some magic tricks by chris paul to actually pull this out uh, Oklahoma City, they played hard during the regular season. And, you know, we all know you can play hard in the regular season. You can win some games and make the playoffs. But in the in the, in the, in, in the playoffs, you know, talent, veterans take over. And, uh, you know, I just don't think Oklahoma City is ready, just like Memphis wasn't ready. And uh, I think Houston, James Harden is going to go back to being old James Harden because Russell Westbrook, I know he's out at least game one. So that's more shots for for Harden. So he probably can't sleep tonight knowing that he's going to put up, you know, 50 <laughs> shots tomorrow and probably get 55 points. So, uh, so yeah, I expect uh, Houston to take care of Oklahoma City in, let's see, I would say uh, I'm going to give them five. Five games. Right. I'm going to take Houston too, but I'm going to take them in sticks. I think that uh, that, you know, Oklahoma City's played really hard. They know how to win uh, scrappy games. And that's enough for them to steal one here and one there on Pride Games. Uh, they they don't have enough uh, talent to you know go deep, uh, whereas Houston does. Uh, and yeah, and and I do think that it helps that they don't have Russell Westbrook for at least one of those games, possibly two. Um, but ultimately, you know, the Rockets have too much talent, regardless of what I think of of those players, because I don't particularly like anybody on that team um, or their coach. So. It's uh, it, you know, it's 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 interesting to pick that because I would love to be able to pick Oklahoma City and, and sit here and be like, ah, I think they could do it. They got young talent. They got Chris Paul. Yeah. They got you know, yeah. I'd love to, but I, I I'm gonna say this. I guess I'm I'm too uh, I'm too old in, in my ways to to think that a, a team that's put together like that with uh, scotch tape and bubble gum is gonna be able to go and and and, and beat the Rockets. Yeah. Yikes! And then that the the last series, the probably what's most important to us. I mean, I know who y'all got, but actually, you might not because Portland is balling right now. Well, B, you start, and I'll go after you. All right, so I got the Lakers. I got the Lakers in four. Sorry, five. Wow. Um, I think that they're going to be able to to settle things down. It's not because I don't think that each one of these games are going to be flood battles to the very very end, um, but I think that. LeBron um, knows how to win those types of games. He's obviously done it several times in his career, most notably coming back against um, the, the, the Warriors. Um, and I think that AD has problems. But his problem is when he's not 100% into that game, yeah. he does not play well. That is not a problem in the playoffs. And it's not a problem for him where he went absolutely nuts the last time he was in the playoffs. So I think you get a fully 
uh, motivated and focused AD along with, you know, LeBron. Uh, and I don't think it matters one way or the other if Kuzma's playing as a great three or a mediocre three uh, because those two players are going to make sure that they're going to get to the second round. Um, and, and, look, the Trailblazers are too good to count them out. They have a puncher's chance, like using boxing analogy, to win the series and or game at any point in time. I think it's going to be a lot of close games. Um, so, you know, don't take me saying that it's going to be them in five uh, to say that, that that means that Portland isn't up to the task or isn't very good. I just simply think that the way the Lakers are put together um, and the way the team is going to work and knows how to work in these situations is going to be enough to take the haymakers that the, the Lillards are going to throw at them. Um, and I love, you know, Lillard is just a great player, a great person to interview, seems like a really good person. Um, his, you know, his heart. So I am literally not saying anything negative at all about the Portland Trailblazers other than I think the Lakers are going to settle in, do what they need to do, get to the next series, just like Milwaukee. They want to end it early, but I think five is about that right number. Um, I'm with you. I want to say four, but I'm going to say Lakers in five. This isn't any disrespect, like you said, to Damian Lillard, the Portland Trailblazers, but I've watched the Trailblazers more than any team in the bubble. And there's one thing when people on TV talk about sports that they never seem to talk about is fatigue. Um, people think just because they're professional athletes, they're going to bring the same energy every single game. And that's just not reality. They don't do that. Uh, Portland has played pretty much all these last, I don't know, five games or so. Uh, as if they were playoff games, high-intensity playoff games, emotional games. And if you guys looked at the last game like I did, I know I like to I see things a lot of people don't see, but the Portland Trailblazers are fatigued, and it's easy to understand why. And the Lakers are just sitting back, you know, just waiting for them while Portland has to treat every game like it's game seven of the playoffs. Uh, I think the Lakers are going to boat race them in game one. I see the spread is five and a half. I see the Lakers winning by double digits. Uh, especially in the second half, I think they just take off on them. Uh, Portland just can't keep up this pace. Uh, I saw, what's the guy, Nurkic, he was exhausted. Uh, McCullum, he's, he has, a, I think, a, a bad back or something like that. Uh, he's not 100%. Um, you know, Dame, you know, he's, he's great, but he's not going to be able to keep up that pace uh, for an entire, for to beat the Lakers four, four times, you know, in about a week and a half. That, that's not going to happen. So I have the Lakers, and but also the um Portland just doesn't have anybody. I mean, anybody to guard LeBron. Their best perimeter defender is is Carmelo Anthony, and and that's a problem. So uh, that alone, right there, would you know cause me to take the Lakers in five. But the fatigue factor, I don't think people are factoring in here. Uh, Portland made a made a good run, but they don't have enough uh, to beat uh, to beat the Lakers. The only thing I would add is I was for the very reasons you were talking about because I was watching in the game and Portland looked tired, and I was just hoping that. Memphis could find any way to get it to a second, another game, just to make it exacerbate that problem. Yeah. Because I completely agree that it's going to be impactful. But they got two days of rest and didn't have to go through that the game seven uh, that feeling if they had to play an all or nothing game for uh, on Sunday. But you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and they had they had trouble putting away Brooklyn the day before the game right. before. Then they had well, that was the other thing. Memphis. You know. you know, Portland. Portland's playing great, right? And they're winning games. But they aren't winning games by a ton. They're just – Lillard is doing something amazing down the stretch. Right. 
when you have to do something ma- amazing down the stretch by a team that Toronto just blew the doors off of, it does show that there is a difference between where you are and where top teams are. Yeah. Um, but but you know, but Lillard can do it all, man. I mean, the guy is just he's 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 outstanding. Now, now remember, they haven't played against a guy like LeBron or AD, and they're giving yeah. up 130 to Brooklyn. And a hundred and maybe twenty five or so to, to Memphis. So they don't play any defense, and they're playing against a, a couple better offensive players than they have been playing against. So I and I just don't give Portland, you know, too much of a shot in here. I was a lot <clears throat> more nervous because I, I like do like Portland and Dame and Melo. They're playing well, just how they've been playing in this last stretch as far as winning the games. But now after hearing the analysis, I'm kind of like, oh man, all right, let me chill. Like we we out here. Forgetting who's on the Lakers right now, so yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, well, a you're lot gonna, people, a lot of people are Laker haters. You know, they don't want them, I so just they're just overhyping Portland at one point. You know, they're just people who just don't like the Lakers and don't like uh, Tim Legler is a guy I never listen to because he predicts the Lakers lose all the time. So you know, I, it's just a lot of people just don't want the Lakers to win, so they're hoping Portland can do something. I was just thinking of uh, point guards every probably my whole life that I can remember. Well, you know, obviously I'm a Laker fan, grew up in the West. Um, Western Conference watching basketball like every year point guards murder us and Dame is one of the illest so yep. that's kind of what's for yeah. as long as I can remember yeah it's almost like they had a, a player that was brought in specifically to handle the super point guards in the west and he's right. not there right it's like the whole reason we've got Avery Bradley is to take care of the right. Hardens and the Dame Lillards and the Chris Pauls right. you know and you know Steph Curry's and all this other stuff, and he's not that's there crazy. um but But I think, quite honestly, I think what Memphis showed in that game was how you can take Lillard out of the game for periods of time, which for a team like the Lakers would be enough. It wasn't enough for Memphis. But if you throw, if you make him a passer and you say, okay, McCollum, Nurkic, you guys have to win this. Anthony, you have to win this game Um, and and put it on their backs and say, you know, I'm going to guard everybody here one on one. But, I mean, they literally ran a box and one against Lillard for a quarter. Uh, and it worked. It worked for the third quarter. Um, you know, Lillard's obviously good enough. They don't get his shots off. But uh, I think that against a better team, it's my hope uh, that they'll have trouble. And I really do think that, you know, playing even in a 130-point game with uh, Brooklyn, to watch Brooklyn then get the doors blown off of them by Toronto the next time that they played, shows a pretty significant difference in where they are really, right? It's easy when you look at two games, you see all those points, all that scoring, and Lillard's doing amazing things, you go, oh, they're, they're, they're incredible. And then you see them yeah, up exactly. against uh, someone else. It's, that analysis really does shine through. I yeah, I, I, I heard a stat, the, uh, it was like three days ago. I, it was actually kind of shocking, but I had to think about it. Uh, Damian Lillard has the worst, has the second worst postseason plus minus in the NBA since he entered the league. I didn't know that. And he also has the worst win percentage of any star player since he entered the league in the playoffs as well. Like, he just doesn't win the playoffs. Yeah, he's nice. And I had to think back. crazy because it's it's a team game, though, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, in his case, he has never had a team. I mean, like, he literally had to will those wins mostly hard. You know, McCollum gets some some credit, too. But on uh, on the plus minus, there's something to be said for that. Uh, I think it's because when you don't have a talent, teams can yeah. key on you. And when teams can key on you, as every successful team knows, you need to have a number two and a number three. Um, McCollum is great, you know, no doubt about it. Nurkic is is, is talented, um, but there isn't that that de facto. Oh, we got this guy right. Like right. 
Steph Curry, you know, Steph Curry has Klay Thompson, right? And or had or KD had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. You know, LeBron had Kyrie. Um, you know, everyone has had that. Yet it was the, the guy that you were very, very clear was the next guy. And I don't think there, there's someone on that team that you're right. very, very clear. There's a lot of talent, tons of talent. Yeah, and that's why um, I thought back because they usually always play the Warriors in the playoffs and lose like in four or five. So that yeah. can really derail you. Yeah, it can screw you up when, when, you're, when, you, when your losses are all to, yeah. you know, a dynasty team, right? Like a, a once in a, in a uh, yeah. decade or two team. <clears throat> that's real. Word up. All right. Um, you guys have any NBA thoughts or then we'll switch to college football? Only thing I'll only thing I'll say is about this uh, lifting of the uh, of the, the curtain, the full bubble, uh, poking the hole in the bubble, letting the people come in. Um, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them in the ass. But they had such such a good thing going with that bubble. It was you know no tests, no positive tests, uh, no worries, no concerns, no you know big issues. They had one one player who missed the test and had to get set out a, a quarter while he was getting his test uh, results back. But and to, to then to let the folks back in, friends and family, come in, um, and the fact that you can let quote unquote friends in, and the fact that they actually had to put in the rules that you can the one that you are not allowed to invite invite someone you, you met on social media and do not have a substantive relationship with is one hilarious to me, but also shows that they know that there's a there's a, there's a real possibility for um, for some for some DM. Uh, invites into the bubble come their way, oh, right? Not long from now, we're going to find out that some of these supermodels are have been having quote unquote long term relationships with players for months and months and months, and be their their little their their uh, in the bubble piece. So I, I just thought I just I didn't get it, um, but you know, hopefully it works out. Everything else works well, out. Well, well. well, B, this was worked out in the very beginning, so this isn't new. This yeah, no, very, oh, well. Okay. They worked out that it was going to be allowed. They did not work out the rules behind it and who would be allowed, who was going to be in and who was going to be out until last week. Okay. Right? So they said, after the playoffs, after all those people leave, we're going to let some people in. The idea had always been that it was going to be family. But if some of the younger players said, well, that's kind of a bias. Like, I've got family, but I also have my friends and my inner circle. And, you know, people have girlfriends and not, you know, wives that they're younger, um, that kind of thing. And so they, they opened it a little bit more. They, they cracked the door just a tad open, a little bit more. Um, and I, I think that can be a little bit dangerous. Um, but like I said, I, they've done such a good job. You, you might as well just give them the benefit of the doubt um, and, and hope it all works out. Also, uh, this is a random observation, but noticed every dang near every NBA player is super tanned. Like these fools been out in the sun just caking it in Orlando. Like every, I was looking at Jordan Clarkson with all the tats. I'm like, dang, this fool is dark, way darker than me. Like this guy used to be light skinned. Like everybody's out there getting to the sun. I ain't mad. What else you gonna do, right? Chill by the pool. But word. All right. So NBA's in full swing, playoffs wise, which is great. Uh, a lot of good games today. And then you guys mentioned some college football stuff that we were talking. Hey, about. Hey, GB. Yeah. Hey, hey Brian, does, does Glenn? Yeah, Glenn, you cutting out? Am I? For the last twenty, you cutting out like the last fifteen seconds or so. All right, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as I was saying, thank you. You cut out again. Wow, the Skype 
which is funny. I'm leaving this in the show, too. It literally just said a message that said, fan is getting in the way. <laughs> that was me, man. <laughs> oh, wow. I sent that message. <laughs> I can, so you can hear because it, it records into the, the mixer. It's just you guys aren't hearing it because of the mic, but because um, of Skype. But anyway, so out of that basketball and then you go into college football now. Um, and you guys had mentioned, like, I know you said the last thing I saw was like three out of five conferences. It's like, are, are they going to play or not going to play? Or kind of what were you guys yeah, talking about? Th- three yeah. of the big five are going to play. I'm going to let Brian go, but just real quick, the Pac-10, Pac-12 and the Big Ten are nope. not playing. And the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, they've already released it. Well, I know the ACC and Big 12 have released their schedule, and uh, they're playing. Yeah. So, look, <clears throat> if, if there was ever a possibility that – some leagues were going to play and you had to pick them blind you would have picked those three yeah because if you look at where all of their their their, their schools are located they're all in the same place it's the big strip across the bottom of the united states that's all bright red whenever you look at covid charts and it's led by a whole bunch of people who have their head up their ass and have decided that they don't really they're not going to listen to it and it's not surprising to me that those teams picked it. I think that they're wrong. I think that they're going to pay a steep price. I think that players could ultimately have some really serious issues. I don't think it long, took long. They haven't even started playing football yet. And the ACC, who was the first to say that they were going to play, and said, oh, we got this, no problem. We're going to bring kids on campus, blah, blah, blah. North Carolina Chapel Hill had to shut down the school today. 135 tests in their, uh, positive tests in the first two weeks with two dorms having massive outbreaks where they have to test every test and quarantine every student that was in them while they send the rest of the students home to do um, to do learning off campus. That happened within a couple of days of the ACC saying, we're good. We don't have anything to worry about. Kids are safer on campus than they would be anywhere else. And then boom, you have that outbreak. There was a couple other schools that had outbreaks, but none of them were in those three, those three conferences yet. Uh, so leave that there. So the only thing that I'm going to say is you know, no surprise. If, if those guys, and, and Jason said this before, I agreed with Jason that if there was one that was going to try and play, it was going to be one of these Southern um, conferences. SEC, and, yeah. and, yep, the SEC, the Big 12, um, and the ACC. It's not a shocker when you look at these states that, that are involved in these, uh, these things and how blind they've been to the problems and why their states are doing so horrible. But I think it's tragic. I think it's unfortunate. And I really, really hope. I hope I'm wrong. And, and, you know, I don't really hope to be wrong much because I see some some really dark things. If you can't keep the kids on the campus for one week without having 135 positive cases and having to quarantine all students in two dorms and one frat house, right? They had, they had all, the, uh, all the outbreaks. Uh, I, I, just, I just don't see how you can do a full season um, or even the start of one. If I were the ACC, I'd be really, really rethinking um, not that decision right now. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, only reason I thought the ACC was going to play football to start, the only reason is because they want to be the SEC so bad and they're not. So I know the SEC was playing. So I know the ACC were going to was going to follow suit. But um, I know for the, you know, I'm a University of Miami Hurricane fan there in the ACC. They haven't had any outbreaks, and uh, it seems like they have a good control. They're not back on campus yet. Right, right. That's true. They're not back on campus. But here's the thing. I'm hoping that this thing could – for some reason, something within me tells me this can be figured out 
I don't have the solution. But I'm thinking if you kind of keep the the, the players, because the players are being tested, what, three times a week or so? If you keep them isolated from the people on, you know, the regular conference campus, I don't know how that works out. Yeah, because the other people on the college campus, they're not being tested all the time, whereas the athletes are. Then you've got the campus. Big Ten, where the Big Ten, they're allowing students to come back, but you can't have sports. So they can go to class, but they can't play football. So I would think in a situation like that, if you're allowing them to go to class, I would think you can play football, too, since those players are being tested, whereas the people where they're going to class with aren't being tested regularly. I don't know. I'm Like I said, I don't have a solution. That just didn't make sense to me. I thought there was going to be no football, then they weren't going to class. But it looks like they're going to class and just not playing football. These campuses may turn into bubbles anyway. I think it's just just two different types of stupid. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, if you're going to say – you, you, you shouldn't say that you can do one and not do the other. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you can do either. And I think you've proven it, right? Every school, every school, look at Georgia public schools. Look at the colleges that have gone back. You've had nothing but outbreak after outbreak after outbreak every single time you see it. And it always starts with someone on Instagram showing a frat party, which if you guys saw the, the big frat parties that were throwing at Chapel Hill, um, the frat, the one frat that is now quarantined being one of the, the ones that were in the Instagram videos. And then it was two days later, boom, outbreak happening, two, uh, two dorm, college dorms and one frat house being quarantined, 135 positive tests as of a couple hours ago, where you already got, you know, Paul Feinbaum's of the world talking about whether or not they're going to have to re- go, go back on those decisions. The Big Ten was, wasn't smart. They were just less stupid. Right. I mean, they said, oh, we won't have football, but we're going to have kids back on campus. Michigan, when you have these really behemoth schools, Michigan, Ohio State, you can't stop kids from going off and on campus, interacting and partying. And the first thing these kids did, the kids on North Carolina campus, it was two days after school started before. Or, I'm sorry, the first day of actual classes, but two days after they got on campus before they had one of the biggest parties in the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't do it. It seems like, based off what you guys are saying, though, these these campuses may turn into mini bubbles anyway. Because if all the students come back and they send them home and make them online school, you could bring in just the football players. They can easily have you can spread them out in different dorms. They can all learn from uh, remotely, and then you can easily, in that case, quarantine if all the other students are gone. Well, see, that's only what I was if only if every school does it right. And so, in order to be able yeah. to, to have that work, so that the you know. The, the one school can do it, right? So you need Oklahoma to send their, what is it, 14, 15,000 students on their campus home so that Baylor with, you know, eight or nine, whatever, I don't, you know, Oklahoma math school, they? Baylor littler school, right? Yeah. So it's not going to be hard if Baylor send all their kids off, for them to send all their kids off campus. It won't be that big a deal. That's what I'm saying. But in order for it to really work, you also need Oklahoma to do it, right? Iowa, Iowa State needs, you know, and Texas Tech need the Oklahoma students to do it, Oklahoma State, you know, we have these master schools playing with these not so master schools, and I'm talking about school size, not team size. Um, it just makes, you, you need all of them to do it to get that mini bubble. I could see if they it did happening. it, it could work. Yeah, I could see it happening because at, you know, you bring back 14,000 students, so I, you need the same thing you said. There's 100 students here, or there was a party and this happened, and it's yeah. going to happen anyway, and you truthfully could dang near preemptively just as soon as students on campus week just blanket statement say, Yep, there was a huge party and, you know, we need to shut it down, like, without doing – and just make up any number of tests. There's 200 students that, po- that tested positive. We're never going to see it. And you close all the campuses. You send everybody home. You get the online learning money. People will complain about paying full tuition and learning online. 
you deal with that. But then you have football players who are on campus. If you want other sports there too, and you can, you have every dorm. Like you can easily put a whole team elsewhere in separate rooms in a full dorm when you have access. So I think they could right. actually lightweight bubble it. The problem with that, it, it, that's, a, that's a brilliant idea. It would, it would work, right? The problem with that is you're, the reason why I said at the very beginning that if you needed to pick the school, the, the conferences out of the power five that were not going to do it, you were going to pick these three because of where their schools are located. You're talking about people in states who do not believe that there's even a problem with the coronavirus right now, right? Georgia has is quote still quote unquote fully reopened. Didn't they have Florida. to shut down though? Did, didn't the campus shut down? Yeah. So that's What's what I'm saying. That? Didn't but didn't the campuses shut down already? No, Georgia's still Georgia's still trying to do on campus on, on campus learning for their all their kids. Yeah, I think they've it's... had to shut down some of their public high schools in the north. Yeah, because they had massive outbreaks. But the the, the, the school wide or sorry statewide, they're still trying to go with it. And it, in order for that to happen, you have to get people to acknowledge that there's a real problem here. And you got you know one doctor from Duke who basically said everyone's good, and everyone's like. Oh well, this one doctor from Duke said we're yeah. we're fine. We're going to go forward, as opposed to the hundreds or thousands of doctors saying you can't do this right now. You can't do this this way. I think, and it, you know, you go through the SEC. It's Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri, uh, Louisiana, Alabama, um, Texas, Mississippi again, and Arkansas. It's like it's a who's who of states who basically have said from the beginning that they don't give a crap. You know when Arkansas issued their mask um, requirement. July 20th, my birthday. Wow, that was like not that As long opposed ago. to all the rest of the places. They waited until July 20th to issue requirements for mass in public. What's their college doing, though? Because what I'm thinking is going to happen is it's like the perfect situation, right? You can still stand on, die on your hill that this isn't even that serious and say we were, because it's whatever, you know, it's a state school, to your point earlier, so states, whatever, have the final say. But you could easily say, you know, we don't believe this is, is that serious and we don't want to shut down, but they're making us shut it down. Even if the NC2A just did like their own mandate or whatever it was and make the colleges eventually shut down because all you need is a bunch of tests. Right. So you can say we don't believe in this, but we have to shut it down for, you know, because there was this many tests. And while you send all the students home, you bring the football players there. And I could easily see yeah. the way this thing now. goes. It's on your side. I can I can hear it. It's recording. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, Got it. I could easily see them using that politically, right, to, to say, I don't believe in it, but also say, bring these players back. So we'll send the students home, bring the players back, get the money that we need from the football teams, get the money we need from tuition. The students are off. We create a bubble. I mean, it's a lot to go right, but I could just – this quarantine is – or quarantine, the shelter in place has definitely showed me in America, if you can use something like this to your advantage, you will. And I could just see them doing yeah. it. I think I, I, I wholeheartedly can't. And, and I think it's a, a brilliant idea. I just think that when you're dealing with unreasonable people, expecting them to do reasonable things um, is, that is money, though, B. not necessarily going to work out. Once that money gets big, people that people with more money than you start pushing you around and you don't get to just make choices willy nilly. They start saying, bro, you're messing with my money. So now chill out. Well, I don't care what you feel about this, you know, this science or whatever it is. You got three weeks for them to come to all these revelations, though. Well, once those once they see them players not coming in and them checks falling off, fools will get real <laughs> scientific. I feel real scientific. College football, two billion dollar yeah, industry. Think, I think before the, I think those three teams at some point in time <clears throat> will have to quote unquote delay their season. They'll they'll, they'll pick it up and say, okay, we're going to go to spring as well. I think that's what ultimately ends up happening. Got it. I, well, I mean, I think it's still like there's no other change in behavior though. So like. 
the to me infection's not going to change. A lot of people are still like it's small, it's low numbers, whatever. So I don't see it changing between now and like first round of ba- vaccines or like you know what I'm saying. What would change? Yeah, I agree. So well, you know, people they, are they're going to they're gonna be able to play and be healthy in, in, <laughs> in spring. I said that they're going to quote unquote delay the season oh, until yeah. spring. Get past the but I, I don't think they play this year at all. I I'm, you know and I've I said that you. numerous times. I just think that what all of these other leagues have done was they kick the can down the road so that they can live to, you know, argue another day, basically, right? It's not. <laughs> yeah, true. It, it, it's just, you know, you know, here's here's my thing, though. I think if you move to spring, who says it's supposed to get any better in spring? You're still going to have the same problems yeah, in the I'm spring saying. as you do in the fall. Yeah. And also, um, you know, I just – I just a $2 billion industry can't figure out how this thing – can work it's just mind-boggling I mean, it seems like all these other billion dollar industry leagues are able to i mean let's just be honest college football is a big business yeah. they should be able to figure something like this out i don't i don't see how they can't play football like i said i don't have the solution but there has uh... to be a way that they can play football because i necessarily don't believe that if players because they're talking about player safety this and that if you send a player home what you saying? He's not going to get coronavirus. He's not going to hang out. He's not going to kick it. I think they're most susceptible when they get sent back home to get corona than if they were on campus in Probably. the athlete in the athletic dorm getting it because at least they're getting tested three times a week in the athletic dorm. Whereas at home, they just out partying and kicking it. Like I see some of these, uh, you know, college athletes who got sent home from, you know, from the Pac-12 like they're doing right now. So it's I think they're sexy safer on campus than they yeah, are. I, I think uh, the reason I think that's, um, a flawed theory is just because of liability. You get sick on campus, school's liable. You get sick yeah. at home being stupid, it's your parents or yeah. you yeah. or whatever, right? It's it's so that's that's always been my thing is like it's, yeah. it's just a liability. And this circles back to what we were talking. I was talking about earlier with Mobamba. Um, I you know we don't know what's going to come of that, right? There was a thing today that said that they're they're, they're calling it the coronavirus mystery, you know, whatever. But I think that. It's just the beginning, right? You, you have the NBA players, you, you only had, you know, a certain number of teams come back and you had one when you have all of these colleges with all of these players with, with more exposure than you're getting at um, yeah, in the NBA bubble, um, the number is likely to be higher. And I think that you, know, you, you don't need a whole lot for it to be a big problem. Um, you know, God help the world if it's Trevor Lawrence or someone like that who gets sick. Uh, and and loses out when, in, on you know being able to get drafted in the first round because you can't pass a physical um, oh, wow. for the for the draft. Oh wow, uh, that would be a pretty big problem. Yeah, and that's you deep. know all those texts that the NCAA are going to get will will be going someplace else. But anyways, yeah. we'll see what happens. I, I think it's, I think it's I think it's sad and tragic. I do I do ultimately think that they don't finish their season and they punt it to to spring and then eventually just cancel it. Um, but you know as Jason said before. They're going to try. They're going to do everything they possibly can um, because those three conferences are a bunch of states that have been stuck on stupid since day one. Yeah, and if I if I'm Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I'm not playing in the spring because you get you, you, you yeah we already yeah, said that I no mean, way. If you get hurt in the spring, your your draft status is definitely going to be affected because the draft is nothing but two three months away. Uh, you play in the fall, you have time to recover and you know you know probably go through physicals and stuff like that and still you know be draft eligible for top 10 or whatever top five like they are but if you're in the spring oh i'm definitely out i mean i would consider not playing now especially if you're a guy like justin fields you're probably definitely going to be the second quarterback taken off the draft board um you're not pretty much going to improve your draft stock 
I think he thinks he might be able to, which is why he wants to play. But if you come, if you want to get to springtime, I don't really think it's going to be. They're all talking we're going to play football in the spring. I don't really don't think it's going to be that much football in the spring. And I think if you don't play in the fall, I don't think you're going to play too much in the spring, or at least have star players play in the spring. Interesting. What up? All right, you guys got any last thoughts? I'm good. All right, um, that's yeah, not on this. No, that's good. I mean, I think that was kind of the bulk of what we had, right? I'm not missing any topics. We're at like right in an hour, which is good. Um, so if not, then we can jump into the minute to win it. Neither of you guys can go. Be you go ahead. Um, all right. So you know, since last we talked, uh, this is just a, a, I'm going to pop my collar a little bit. So on July 6 of 2018, I was at and Ryan, shout out to Ryan if you're here. I was at a, a, a boys trip in Camarillo with uh, my friends Ryan, Ryan, Andy, Jerome, and one of the things that we were talking a lot about was politics and. No, we didn't know what the field of, of who was going to be running at that point in time. We didn't know who would, you know, ultimately be an opportunity for VP or whatever. And we went through a very, very long, this took days, discussion, debate, and figured out what made sense and how it would all flesh out. And we nailed it. So uh, Andy put our prediction on uh, Facebook on, on that day, July 6, 2018, and said, we we're calling it now Biden-Harris 2020. And so with, uh, with Harris getting the selection, uh, we were able to throw our hands up in triumph. Um, I was not a Harris fan uh, when she was running for president, but I am a Harris fan as a vice president. I think that she sets up the party well, um, and I'm really happy to see that. Congratulations to uh, our, our HBC graduate, um, a female, a double, you know, a female minority from, you know, uh, from Jamaica and um, or whatever parents from Jamaica, also being a female, it, it, it's just a wonderful story. Um, we I missed tonight's uh, Democratic National Convention for this and to watch some uh, playoff basketball, but uh, I am extremely happy to see number of Republicans coming out at the Democratic National Convention to speak. Um, I am happy to see you know um, Bernie coming out and speaking. Uh, the, the previous first lady. Uh, Michelle Obama coming out to speak. So, you know, it's all really good things. I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to, I hope to be alive and see uh, Kamala Harris become the first female uh, and minority vice president to uh, take that office. So um, hats off to her. Congratulations to them. I wish them the best of luck. We need them now more than ever. And that's all I have to say. I hope it's soon. Come on. Man. You said that you'll be alive. Damn. I hope it's soon. Right. That's only that's right. That's November. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> she, what do you mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. Kamala. Yeah. She's from Oakland. And, I was going to uh, say, yeah. Shout out to the town. She Go went ahead. to Howard and uh, the AKs are going to be unbearable if she gets in. But I'm just, you know, just saying. Oh, they already <laughs> are. Yeah. So, okay. Mine is on. Uh, mine's real quick, man. I just got to give a shout out to my favorite player. Um, best point guard in NBA history. His birthday was three days ago. Magic Johnson. I remember being in high school when uh, he first contracted the HIV virus. I remember getting teased by a lot of my basketball uh, teammates saying he's about to die and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, crazy, uh, some of my uh, teammates and people I went to school with actually passed away. And Magic is still here. So, um, of course, at the time, I didn't think, you know, Magic was going to be alive today. 
at least this far in life. Um, you know, usually HIV was pretty much a death sentence, but uh, Magic is still kicking, so I want to give a shout out to him. Um, but I also want to um, give a shout out to uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, one of my favorite football players uh, in the league. Not because he plays for the 49s, I just like everything that he brings and what he represents. Uh, this guy just got paid. I think it's the highest tight end contract uh, about in, Kittle, bro. in NFL history. George Kittle. Um, it's Kittle, yeah. Uh, George Kittle, yeah. I'm sorry, George Kittle. And um, pretty much uh, Travis Kelsey was smart to negotiate after uh, Kittle got his big money. Uh, I see that the Seattle uh, Seahawks pretty much mortgaged their future to get a guy, Jamal Adams, to try to cover Kittle, which won't work, but they're trying. Uh, Kittle's pretty much opened the door for a lot of tight ends to get paid in the NFL. So, And he was actually still coming to camp even though he didn't have a new contract in place because he said he's a team captain, he's a leader, and he needs to be there. So this guy, Kittle, he gets it. Uh, he just does everything. I think he's more valuable. I think tight end position is a little bit more valuable than wide receiver I can make an argument for, especially on our team. But uh, I'm glad the contract got done so we don't have distraction going into uh, into this season. So shouts out to uh, Kittle and what he's done for other tight ends uh, in the league and to my favorite player, Magic Johnson, uh, 61st birthday. So what's up? Yeah, shout out to Magic. I'm actually looking at the I got the Magic bobblehead right here to the left, but uh, mine is a little different this time. Um, actually, mine is for you guys. I just wanted to say thanks for letting me, you know, be on be on the show um, and be on this ride. We talked about this maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, just sitting around watching football at Brian's crib. Like, yeah, we should do a show. We should do a show, and we actually did something and followed through with it. And I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. And I just appreciate you guys, um, Jason the ring bear my parents wedding so known jason my whole life brian my dad's godson since i was my first time i meet remember meeting brian was like three years old so um just man i appreciate you guys for for who you are for what you do you work hard you're good fathers you're good friends if you say you're gonna do something you do it you've looked out for me on numerous occasions and hopefully i've done the same for you um and i just appreciate you guys man and, and i love you so a lot of times people don't hear men uh, express that emotion, but I definitely want to let you guys know that, and I appreciate y'all. That was really it, man. So that's our show for today. Um, it's August 17, twenty twenty. Um, I'll let y'all go. If y'all got any last words, we'll be signing out. Um, wow, thanks for that, Glenn, and always a pleasure to hang out with you guys for a little while. No doubt, same here. Thanks a lot for that, Glenn. Remember, this podcast started because you were listening to me and Brian argue about sports argue the for a whole couple time. years. So, so <laughs> this is because of you. <laughs> Well, I, I, had to, I had to be in it to win it, if you will. So, man, I appreciate y'all. That's our show, and we're out of here. Peace.